0: Hi, and welcome to the podium, the place where we celebrate the best in the world in motorsport. My name's Jason Skylis, and I'm joined once again on the podium with Emma Notta Francesco.
1: Thank you for having me, and thank you again for keeping me entertained in Lockdown 2.0.
0: Well, that's all right. We are actually filming this on Zoom at the moment. This won't be going up, though, unfortunately, for all of our listeners. And you've got a nice backdrop at the moment, Emma. Can you describe the backdrop for the listeners?
1: Yes old school michael schumacher picture it's like a cartoony photo isn't it it's it's pretty cool and yeah sorry we can't put the video up but i haven't done my hair and makeup not looking my best lockdown has got me so i apologize but yeah it's pretty cool so i've been having i've started this new series called legends in lockdown and my whole thing is my background i change my background every week so maybe i'll put this up one week and you'll actually get to see it
0: well, there you go. Yeah, you had an awesome episode just the other night. You had Troy Bayless on that one and you've got some more coming up soon. So that's 8pm on your Insta Live Thursday nights. Yeah. Um,
1: people are keeping me company. So thank you to everyone for tuning in.
0: Well, yeah, it's awesome stuff there and keep keep going with that, Emma. Now, as I said, we've got a huge edition of the show to get through, Emma. and We've got some very special guests joining us on the show. I'll give you some clues and you've got to see if you can work out who our guests are today. So the clues are... We've got two supercar drivers joining us on the show. And the first one, here's the clue, Emma. You tell me if you reckon you know who it is. He has got an awesome track mm-hmm. record at Hidden Valley, which is the next two rounds of a supercar championship. He's won there in 2015 and also in 2018. And he finished on the podium twice there in two of the races a year ago. Any idea? Is he an Erebus driver? He sure is, Emma. Is it Davey? Yes, we've got David Reynolds joining us on the podium today. There you go, you're right yeah, on the money, Em. Oh, I know, and he's going to join us yeah. on. The, he's going to be joining us on the podium to preview of the upcoming rounds at Hidden Valley, uh, and also how his championship's gone so far. So he's got some awesome things to say, and he's always always great for a chat, David Reynolds. So that'll be coming up in a little while on the show. And we've, like I said, we've got a second supercar driver joining us on the podium today. Now I'll give you some clues about this one. This one's probably a little harder for you to get. So this guy has won. Okay. So this weekend, of course, we've got the Formula 1s at Silverstone. This guy has won at Silverstone a few years ago. Uh, he is also driven for teams. He's driven for a team that was founded by Kimi Raikkonen and also driven for a team that's owned by Christian Horner. And he currently competes in the Supercar Championship. Any idea, Emma? Some oh, of them.
1: are switching around. Oh, you're killing me. Oh, damn it.
0: So there's two drivers. One of them's Jake Kostecki, but the one that's going to be on our show today is Zane Goddard. So it's a huge addition to the show, oh, Em.
1: I was close. I was close.
0: You were very close, awesome. Em. And you know, it's a huge addition. Not only what
1: a young, what a young gun and great, great guest, and also a big congratulations to Davey Reynolds, who just announced that he's becoming a dad.
0: A big congratulations to him and Tahan And I think you're pretty good, good friends with Tahan, aren't you?
1: i am i am i have to say i may have known before the announcement so i was really excited that yes um finally it was announced so 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 2 they're, they're one of the greatest couples ever i mean if you watch them on instagram they're so hilarious so can't wait to see a little baby in the lane congratulations to both of them it's really cool
0: yeah very exciting and let's talk about the on-track action now emma because uh You know We're going to have some Mm -hmm. MotoGP that we're going to talk about very soon. And then we've got some big news in Formula 1 a little later on the show that we're going to talk about. And one of the big drivers won't be taking part in this weekend's event or next weekend's event.
1: I can't believe it. But, yeah, big news in Formula 1. I'm glad that it's back because we missed it for a week, didn't we? But let's hope that it's a little more eventful than the last race that we had a few weeks ago in Hungary because I can't say it was the greatest race of all time. But that was only because I did switch off from MotoGP and went straight to a Formula 1 race. And two wheels at the moment are sensational. We don't have MotoGP this weekend, but we do still have plenty to talk about in the MotoGP world as well.
0: Oh, we sure do. We sure do. Now, that's where we should get started, Emma. Let's get started with some MotoGP news. Let's talk about the MotoGP. Of course, we had the Andalusian Grand Prix, just a week ago now, and boy, what a weekend again it was for Fabio Quadraro.
1: What a young gun. France is now France's most successful premier class rider. He was really, by the end of it, riding in a race of his own, and um, yeah, I mean, that's not the last win of his season. As I said, he's only 21 years of age. He's surely a future champion right there. He's doing so well on that bike, and then, of course, next year, He'll jump on over to the Yamaha factory team, which is a seat he definitely deserves. But I'm looking forward to seeing Marquez coming back and, and watching those two battle again. But well done to Fabio. He's absolutely on fire for the start of the season.
0: Yeah, you mentioned him there, Mark Marquez. Now, he was the story of the weekend. Of course, we were talking about this on the show, Emma, a week ago about Mark Marquez venturing out to compete in this round of the championship. And unfortunately, after qualifying, he decided, nope, that's it, he can't do it.
1: I got my bet really wrong last weekend when I chatted to you, right? I said that, yeah, you know, if he's 100%, he's going to go out and win. (laughs) I take that back. So, I mean, it was so surprising, wasn't it, that we actually saw him going to race because he was in surgery on Tuesday in Barcelona. 48 hours later, he was deemed fit to race and, He he actually just posted some really graphic pictures of his x-ray during the week, 12 pins and a plate in his right arm. So just crazy to think that he was actually willing to go out there and go ahead with racing. But we all knew that they were going to reassess that situation on Saturday. We saw that he came in very quickly in Q1, went straight to the the truck, and then he drove off on that scooter. And I think we all knew when we saw that happen that it was just a no-go and a very smart move that he decided not to go ahead and race because you know you can sit at the back and just collect a few points and do more damage or you can come back at Bruno at full strength and be better so a smart move by Marquez it was really sad to see not long after that that his brother went out as well and it looked like his arm was coming out of his socket but yeah I'm looking forward to seeing him come back at full strength and back on the track racing good effort by him he got a little bit slammed on social media but People thought he was just out there being a hero. But it's really hard. You've got to you've got to look at it this way. It's a shortened championship, so any points that you lose are really
0: crucial. Oh, for sure. And let's talk about another wounded rider that was competing on the weekend, Cal Crutchlow. Now, it looked like this guy was going to retire midway through the race. However, because of all the attrition that was happening in the race, we had so many riders coming off and not finishing the race, that Cal decided, look, he's going to continue on, and he managed to finish in the points. What a run.
1: Pass off to Cal Crutchlow. Still plenty of uncertainty as well for him as to where he's going to go in 2021. I know there are some whispers about perhaps taking Aprilia's seat, but what a fighter. Him and Alex Rins, who suffered a shoulder injury in the first round as well, they were on podium pace. It was amazing to see. 10th for Alex, 13th for Cal. And the way that these guys just go out there and push themselves, I mean, they're a little bit crazy, um, but they are just true athletes, and I commend them for it.
0: Oh, for sure. And another rider, though, our Aussie own Jack Miller, he was one of those people to crash out of the race. Talk us through his event.
1: Yeah, so he just lost it into Turn 9, perhaps pushing himself just a little bit hard. And they were calling it, the battle of the survival the conditions you've got it you've got to see that the conditions were obviously really tough it was so hot they don't usually go there at this stage of the year, this is why they go there a little bit earlier on track temperatures were incredibly high tires were just turning into jelly so it was yeah really unfortunate to see jack um crashing out he'll bounce back though i have no no doubt about it we saw a good result from him in the first round finishing fourth um but yeah it, it's a tricky one for Jack. I mean, he's got that seat locked in for the Caddy Ride next year. So you don't need to fight for it, but you do still have something to prove. But without a doubt, he deserves that seat and he'll bounce back in the next round, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, now one of the star performers from the weekend was Jack Miller's teammate, Francesco Bagnaya. He was on for a podium, had it not been for the issue with his bike.
1: So you can shorten his name, Francesco. They call him Pecco. He started from the second row, went down to fifth, managed to get up to second, and just after Miller crashed out, I mean, a disastrous weekend, was a disastrous end to the race for Pramak All of a sudden, we saw smoke coming out the back, and he didn't realise for a while, but yeah, poor Pecco, with only six laps to go, he could smell that podium, and unfortunately, his race was over, thanks to a technical problem, so Well done to him for getting up there and and great racing by him. Hopefully we can see him on the podium
0: at the next round. Now, the next rider I want to get your opinion on, I'm sure this is probably the one that made your weekend, Valentino Rossi. Returned to the podium for the first time in a long time.
1: Yes, and we spoke about this last week. And did I not say to you that he's got a lot left in him? A lot of people were questioning Rossi, but you know what? Just a little bit of a tweak to the setup of that bike, and they said it was quite political. So they, his new crew chief, uh, David Manus, I think that's how you pronounce it, had to persuade other members within the Yamaha garage to make tweaks to the setup of his bike just to suit him, because obviously they've been working with the younger guys in Fabio and Maverick to suit you know, their Yamahas just a bit of a tweak to suit Valentino, and it looks like it works. I mean, they got the clean sweep, one, two, three, for Yamaha. So it's not all about Rossi. It's about the bike, and it's about working with the rider to suit their style and their riding and the way that they need the bike to be set up for their style. So there you go. Um, He's back, and we're going to see him on the podium more. Don't doubt him.
0: Great to see him back up there. Of course, he's the fan favourite, and let's hope he has a few more podiums before the end of the championship season, eh?
1: Look out for Rossi, as I said.
0: Just quickly, when's the uh, next round of the MotoGP?
1: Yeah, luckily we don't have to wait too long. Next weekend, they'll be at Bruno in the Czech Republic.
0: Fantastic. Very good stuff there, Em. This is the podium where we celebrate the best in the world of motorsport. Up next, David Reynolds joins us on the podium. This is the podium where we celebrate the best in the world of motorsport and we're joined right now with the guy that pilots the number nine Penrite Racing Commodore in the Supercar Championship. It is, of course, David Reynolds. David, thanks so much for joining us on the podium.
2: No worries, man. Thanks for having me.
0: Let's talk about this championship season so far because it's been quite unique. Let's talk about Sydney Motorsport Park for you. Uh, Quite an amazing experience going to a track with no fans, eh?
2: Uh, yeah, the first the first time we went there, uh, it was very, very strange because, you know, there was zero atmosphere, zero fans. It was just a TV event. So normally when we rock up to the track, there's people scattered everywhere. Uh, you know, you walk out the back of pit lane and there's people, you know, walking up and down saying good day. You go out in the pit lane and there's, you know, big crowd, big stands everywhere. But uh, yeah, it was just just a strange experience because it's just unlike what we've ever seen before or felt before. So yeah, it's, it's a lot better with the fans. I can tell you that.
0: Well, yeah, it's it's quite different, and of course, tire strategy this year has been a big part of the championship. What are your thoughts on the tire strategy?
2: Well, yeah, the first the first Sydney Motorsport Park, I think, it's great. Like perfect. You, you know, like there was a lot of deg on that track. The soft tire wears out a lot, and we had one left than we should because, you know, over the weekend we did three races with a pit stop. So technically you've got uh, two stints in each race. So we had six sets of tyres, which is, sorry, normally it had six sets of tyres, but they gave us five. So at one point you had to reuse tyres, which is, you know, that's going to sacrifice your speed. It's such a, such a, a track with such degradation. Uh, but, you know, that, that weekend, big deal of box. And then the next weekend we tried, uh, having two soft tyres and three hard tyres, and I reckon that was a giant fail because you know, there was you know, the whole weekend we just talked about tyres, um, and who's on what, who's got what, and it was just a bit of a, a lottery of you know, who's going to use their tyres when or their fast tyres when, and then take the pain and the slower in the races. And there was like big, big gaps between the field. The people who ran the hard, they had their own race, and the people who ran the soft, they were 30 seconds down the road having their own race, so you know i don't i reckon that was a bit of a fail to be fair
0: well yeah it's it's been interesting hasn't it because you know you've got teams like bjr that have really stepped up and you know ma- maximizing the most out of these soft tires you've got the hidden valley round coming up shortly how are you going to prepare for it are you going to put all your eggs in one basket or try and build up a good set of points for the weekend
2: yeah i don't, I don't really know um, you know darwin's a different track again so you know it depends on what the tires the tyre the strategy is track specific, so you know obviously um, Eastern Creek wears out tyres quite considerably. So and Darwin is kind of the opposite; the the, the track's quite kind to the kind to the tyre up there. Um, it doesn't wear out as much. So you know it's if you, once again you're going to win races on soft tyres, you're not going to win them on hard tyres. So every time you put the hard tyre on, you're going to go you're going to go slower than the people around you on soft tyres. So Apparently they're giving us, for the first weekend, they're giving us two sets of soft tyres for the weekend. Uh, we have to qualify on hard tyres only on the Saturday, but then over, obviously on the Sunday we get, we can use the soft tyres to qualify. So it's going to be, uh, it's just, it's just a, to be honest, at the minute, a bit of a headache to think about all that stuff. Um, because it's not, it's not the standard sort of approach we normally have to the weekend. Normally, you know, we're talking about cars, we're talking about, um, sorry, the, the car set up, the competition. Um, what you know the the maximizing your strategy how to get the most out of the tire but now there's these all these other factors we've got to think about so it's a bit of a it's kind of tricky to think about things like that at the minute and it really depends on where you qualify on what day um, is when you're going to use your fast tires or take your slow tires and take the pain so you know
0: it's, it's very difficult
2: at the minute to sort of say what you're going to do
0: yeah, now let's go into reverse gear for a second. Let's go all the way back to the Superloop 500. Uh, talk us through your weekend there because you had a very strong run in that opening race yeah. of the weekend. Uh, and then, yeah, talk us through that weekend yeah. and then yeah. everything that happened at the Melbourne 400.
2: <laughs> everything that didn't happen at Melbourne. Exactly.
0: <laughs>
2: uh, so, yeah, the Adelaide Superloop 500 was, you know, the first first race of the year. Uh, you qualified second in the shootout. It was a car half on fire, smoke <laughs> billowing out the back of it, <laughs> Um, due, due to like it was a, a steering rack problem. It was, just, it was um pushing out some oil, uh, which is you know it just I think it just made a lot of effect. But didn't it kind of affected the car a little bit all around left-handers? I had a bit more atmosphere than normal. So, and there's only really two or three left-handers on the track, Um but. Yeah, so in the first race, i got a decent start, and I was behind Cup for most of it. And then over the race distance, my car probably wasn't as good as the cars around me over on my tyres, on my tyre life, and I ended up coming fourth. And on, on the Sunday, went out for qualifying. or tried to go out for qualifying and had an engine problem where I actually couldn't partake in that session. So I, I think I qualified 14th or something because um, we did pre-qualifying in the practice session, which you know, at the worst, the, my worst spot I was going to qualify was 14th. Um, so I end up starting 14th, and I was making my way through the field, and I got to Anton and spun him around at turn eight, uh, eight or nine, sorry, and I got a brush for penalty from that, and basically went back to last, and then I think I finished eighth or something. So I actually did a brilliant job at that at that track, except for crashing into Anton. My car was a lot better on the Sunday, and then we went to the. Um, the grand prix and you know we did two two parts of qualifying and then we turned up for the friday to do you know another two parts of qualifying in a race and it called off and just a weird weird just such a weird day hard for me to explain you know the feelings among the pit lane and all the emotion that was going around and at the time there was heaps of mixed messages getting getting pushed out that you know we are going to race we're not going to race and we're we're going to try and it without the formal one. With uh, punters allowed in, though they're not allowed in, and then they just ended up making the decision to call the whole thing off. So um, it was actually a bit of a surprise because it's such a big event, and it was, it was all all going ahead except for the last two days, which is a bit of a shame.
0: Oh, of course, and we all know everything that transpired since. Tell me, what's your lockdown period been like? Because, you know, we had the establishment of the Supercar E-Series. Initially, you weren't really a big fan of this. However, you did take on to it later on in the championship. Talk us through the Supercar E-Series and what you've been up to during your lockdown.
2: Uh, Yeah, Supercar E-Series. Still not a big fan of it, to be honest. (laughs) Never really, um, you know, didn't really enjoy it much, to be honest. Uh, But... You know, I just had to pretend to care about something that I was terrible at, which is, you know, <laughs> I'm not very good at playing computer games, so I try and stay clear of them. So, uh, but yeah, we, we did 10 rounds. Um, I think it probably went five rounds too long because I think there was a lot of genuine interest and enthusiasm amongst everyone, uh, who was partaking and watching it for the first five rounds. And then I think it significantly dropped off after that. So. You know, you can't have it perfect. Um, you know, their idea was solid and sound within supercars. I think, you know, to be on TV and be trying to do something for our sport was good. Um, but you know, it was just—I think it just went too long and drained a lot of people. And so everyone's like, oh, you know, they—they they ended up well rested out of their out of their lockdown period. They got out of there going, oh, you know, I'm ready to ready to tackle the world again. Where we everyone in supercars or everyone that partake in the E-Series are like, oh, I'm so over. I need a rest, you know, because we just did. There was so much practice involved. There was so much, um, you know, learning I had to do to get up to speed just because it's, it's nothing like driving a car. It was completely new to me. So to be honest, I'm glad it's over. And, yeah, I'm looking forward to never doing it again. <laughs>
0: Well, there you go. Yeah, I agree with you there, though. The first few rounds were quite exciting, and I think it did something to bring in some new fans to the sport. Uh, but, yeah, after a few yeah. races, I think it did get a little stale. So it'll be interesting to see what happens if they do have something similar next year, if it's like a shorter a shorter format. Uh, I want to I want to ask yeah. your thoughts on some formats as well now, because, yeah, we mentioned the first round at Sydney Motorsport Park. We didn't have any fans. The second round, though, we did, and we had some night racing yeah. there. Uh yeah. Night racing's been touted for the future, of course, so even Hidden Valley in the future. Uh, what do you think about yeah. night racing and future formats for the supercars? Uh,
2: yeah, I love night racing. I thought that was that's awesome. Anything you can do later at night is better. Um, anything in life you do later at night is always <laughs> better. <laughs> Nothing much fun happens during the day. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, night racing's good. It's just It's a lot harder for us to see. Um, so we're probably going to make mistakes and crash into people, which is you know all part of the entertainment. Uh, as long as the stadium's kind of well lit and we can sort of see what we're doing, I think we'll we'll create good racing. Um, but you know it's it's it is what it is. You know, if it's during the day or during the night, for us drivers it just feels a lot faster than it does uh, during the day because your reference points are kind of a bit more blurred out, harder to see. And things feel like they come up, come at you in the car a lot faster. So that, as a driver, you kind of, you kind of dealing with that. But otherwise, it's, I think it's good for the sport being on later at night because you have more people watching later, you know, TV later at night. Um, yeah. So you know, I don't think we should do our whole calendar under lights. I think we should definitely have, you know, things during the day um, as per normal. So. You know, it's a really good mix. And I think, you know, the more, you know, we're going to start transitioning into more night races, which is good.
0: Well, yeah, the whole situation this year with the COVID pandemic has meant that there's been a lot of experimentation with even the race formats, shorter races and everything. How much of this do you think should be implemented next season?
2: Uh, Yeah, so um, obviously with everything going on, they are experimenting a lot. At the minute. So, you know, we we normally have a lot more crew involved and the pit stops are bigger and we have refueling. So, we haven't been able to to refuel during the race and we're only allowed two gunners instead of four. So, pit stops take a lot longer Um, and there's always a bit more discrepancy for stuff ups, which is perfect. That's what you want. You want to see a bit of variance. Um, But as long as at the end of the day, the, the fastest car still wins the race or the person who's done the best strategy um or, you know, there's there's some sort of realist because as as you grow up during racing, you know, it's always the fastest driver gets the best, you know, gets to qualify at the front, race himself to the front, or vice versa. So as long as it's not too entertainment based or fabricated or, you know, seem to be, you know, inverted from as fake racing, I think it'll it'll be it'll be great. You know, they're gonna experiment a lot more I think in the next coming rounds with, with tires and um things like that. So we'll see. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of uncertainty still and a lot of things still would I think gotta play out. And um yeah, so but it's always a challenge, you know. All all the teams are great at solving challenges or problems, so you know, it's just another challenge we have to overcome.
0: Yeah, for sure and of course, later down the track, at the moment in the schedule, we still have the Bathurst 1000, obviously, and you've got plenty of fond memories yeah. there. This season, you've got a new teammate in Will Brown uh, to tackle the mountain. Yeah, Will Brown. I love him. He's yeah. Great. Talk us talk us through that uh, new driver pairing. Oh, uh,
2: yeah. So, you know, Luke Yilden, um, uh has been part of our team for a while and helped us in Bathurst 1000. And uh, he sort of waved goodbye to, you know, co-driving, without in as far as you know, he's concerned <laughs> but that opened the opportunity for someone like Will Brown to step in and Will Brown is you know he's like he reminds me of myself a lot when I was um, 21 years old but he's actually a lot better than I ever was like he's always happy <laughs> always he's always smiling just such a cool kid to be around and just so much good energy around him that you know you just it's just a joy and it's a gem to drive with him he's just He's just
0: cool I just love him He's like my little son There you go There you go We've had him on the show A little while ago During the whole lockdown And yeah He's very much looking forward To teaming up with you For the mountain uh, Yeah that is He's so cool I love him I want to ask you Just quickly now uh, Yeah like we said Hidden Valley We've got two rounds Of the championship there You're very strong At this track You of course won In 2015 And 2018 also And even a year ago You had two podiums here Why are you so strong At Hidden Valley Dave?
1: Um, I, I think Really know I think I don't know,
2: just the, the the style of track probably suits my driving style and every time you know when my car's good I can obviously perform at that track and you know motor racing comes down to at the end of the day who's got the best set up for that track at that tire condition and, and whatnot so generally my car my car base every time I've gone there has been been quite good and that's allowed me to perform at my best um, but that's that's I think that's really it at the end of the day and every time I get there. You know, it's like I'm half on a holiday because you know I've left Melbourne, I left terrible weather, and I go to Darwin. It's like 30 degrees and sunny and beautiful, and it just you just get good vibes in your life, and and you you can go racing all positively, and instead of being in a negative frame of mind where you know there might be shit going on in your life, and you know it's always such a positive positive place to be and real calm and relaxing, and that kind of suits my style of life, and yeah, that's probably probably part of the reason why I do so well there.
0: Well, there you go. David Reynolds, thank you so much for joining us on the podium. And, of course, we wish you all the very best for the upcoming rounds of the championship at Hidden Valley. No worries, man. Thanks for having me on. Much appreciated. Thanks so much. Here we are. David Reynolds joining us on the podium to preview the supercar action from Hidden Valley, which, of course, has the next two rounds of the championship. Up next, we've got another supercar driver joining us. It's a rookie. It is Zane Goddard, and he's up next on the podium. This is the podium where we celebrate the best in the world of motorsport, and we're joined right now with a supercars rookie. It's his first ever supercar season this season, and he just recently got his first ever top 10 result in the championship. I speak, of course, of Zane Goddard. Zane, thanks so much for joining us on the podium. No, oh, thanks for having me. Now, Zane, yeah, as I mentioned there in the opener, your first ever top 10 at Sydney Motorsport Park just recently. Tell me how that race played out for you, and, and yeah, great result.
2: Yeah, it was pretty awesome. Obviously, being in the Superlight program, I was just doing the second round at Sydney, so start off the weekend, it was a little bit hard, sort of just buying April and stuff. Um. But as the weekend, you know, we slightly progressed got close to the pace. And then last race, which we saved our uh, soft tyres for, um, we had pretty good soft tyre speed. So started 17th, moved our way up to 8th, I think it was. And then had a drama in the pit stop, fell back to 14th and then pushed forward to tenth again. So, yeah, it was been cool, uh, especially getting past some of the bigger names. Obviously, they're on a harder tyre compound or an older soft. So it definitely made it a little bit easier. But um, nevertheless... Yeah, a really cool experience and yeah, pretty stoked to get my first top ten.
0: Well yeah, for sure. You mentioned making some overtakes there. I have to ask as a kid, who did you look up to?
2: Um look, when I was young I used to watch Formula One and um V eight. On the V eight side it was always Jamie wink up. Um, you know, when he used to be in like the Vodafone car and stuff, that sort of like got me hooked on the supercars. As I started voting. We started watching Supercars about 2007, 2008, um, you know, when he was sort of starting his dominant years, um, the Triple Eight in that road of fame. so um, yeah, So, yeah, for Supercars was definitely that. And then when you talk about Formula One, um, early on, I was always like a, I was actually a fairly good Robert Kubica fan. I liked him a fair bit. Robert Kubica, did you say? The Aussie.
0: Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. And there we go, and and I think you started off, it was dirt bikes initially, wasn't it, before moving into karting?
2: Yeah, when I was young, me and some of my mates uh, did a little bit of dirt biking from seven years old to nine years old, I think. And, um, yeah, that was really fun, good boy time and stuff, so I really enjoyed that. And then one day I had to go on a go-kart, got hooked on it, and, you know, the parents are pretty stoked from two wheels to four wheels. So, um, on their side, they were happy, and I, yeah, been racing, Cars or go karts
0: ever since. One of the guys that we had on the show earlier in the season, we had Jack Doon on, and um, yeah, you grew up with him, and you actually helped him get into karting.
2: Yeah, well, the first place I actually tried a cart was at Jack's house. So um, yeah, I mean, Jack, like, we're super close, still, still, talk a bit, you know. Now he's moved overseas, and I spent a couple of years overseas. We haven't seen each other as much, but yeah, no, I got a lot of time for Jack. He's an awesome kid, um, and yeah, you know, in the early days, he used to sort of drop by his house. He'd, Play MotoGP, GP, have a sleepover, and then go go karting and stuff. So no, I really, really think fond of those times. So it's fun. You know, now Jack's doing awesome things overseas. You know, he's in Formula Three, only two steps away from F1. So it's pretty crazy, especially seeing when you know I first started hanging out with him. I was probably like seven. He's probably like five. So yeah, it's cool to see how far he's come. Obviously now i have made my way into Supercars. So yeah, you know, looking back at it now, it's pretty cool. Um, so yeah, it's pretty pretty epic to think about.
0: Oh, for sure. And let's talk about uh, 2015. That was like one of your first big years in motorsport. Uh, you did the Formula Four Australia Championship uh, with our Team BRM, an iconic Australian race team. Talk about that first big opening season for yourself.
2: Yeah, so it was pretty interesting. The first year, you know, I came into the Formula Four, and we had a fair bit of speed. Pre-season training, uh, I think I was like top two at a lot of the tests and stuff. Um, And then as racing started, you know, being 15 and I so just trying to set the world alight, I was always pushing a bit too hard. We always had pretty good speed, but, you know, just had too many crashes that year, too many mistakes. Um, I wasn't really so much focusing on my technique, but just trying to really rag the things. So it was the wrong mindset to go about, but I'm glad I did it when I did. Um, Obviously, Formula 4 is still an expensive car to crash, but compared to the cars we're in now... um, yeah, you can't really compare it. So yeah, it was good to get all that learning out of the way at the start. Um, probably didn't need to have as many crashes as I did, but um yeah. Nowadays I think in supercars, since I've stood in a supercar, super two or super cars, I've never actually been at any sessions touch wood, so um yeah, thanks to Christ, I got them all out of the way early and now I have a bit of a bank
0: out of the hopper. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it looks like you've learnt from it. Uh, let's talk about 2016. Uh, you went over and did Formula 4 in Britain. Uh, now, you were driving for a team called Double R Racing. Now, the interesting fact about this is this was founded by Formula 1 driver Kimi Räikkönen. Before we talk about your results there, talk about that experience. How did that, that drive come about?
2: Yeah, so end of 2015, I went overseas and did a test in a battalion Formula 4 car at Valencia, and I was like, you know what, I could do this. Um, so we were sort of trying to work out where we were going. Um, it was actually James Courtney that sort of gave us a opening at Double eye. He knew Anthony Boyer from back in the Carlin days when he raced overseas. And um, they actually put a deal uh, across the line while the parents and out we were at a, 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 dinner. Oh, no, a, yeah, a dinner so um that was pretty funny um and then yeah that year was pretty epic it was a one car team for majority of the year um so i sort of had a bit of a slow start and half of the season we were the highest points scorer, uh, got the second most race wins out of anyone for the year so yeah it was a really good strong end to the season shame we didn't sort of get to those results earlier because then we would have been a serious title contender but um yeah, that was a pretty epic experience getting to race around some tracks at Silverstone and all that. So, yeah, it was a pretty cool year.
0: Oh, for sure. And, you know, not only just racing on these tracks, winning at Silverstone, two race wins here at Silverstone. Tell me what was going through your mind as you were getting those victories.
2: Yeah, that was that was a pretty cool weekend. Um, sometimes you just going through a weekend and you sort of just back yourself, you know, that you're strong at a track and it sort of makes the weekend easy. Um, yeah, we just had really good speed. The car was absolutely hooked up. Um, so yeah, we won the first race and then the last race. So, um yeah, no, that was very cool. When it's all and a track it, you know, you sort of have been watching for so long on the F one calendar, you know, the first place they ever have an F one race, so um yeah, that was that was really cool. Um yeah, had my dad came over for that round, so yeah, it was pretty pretty cool.
0: And in two thousand and seventeen you moved over to the Formula Renault Euro Cup? And you were competing with Team Arden. So this team's owned by Christian Horner. And, you know, you got to race on some iconic F1 tracks again. And you're up against drivers like Alex Peroni that season. Talk about that that season for yourself.
2: Yeah, that was a tricky season. Um, You know, racing and, you know, sort of just normal life was pretty difficult. It was a pretty rough start to the year. I was sort of over in England by myself, just sort of hearing a little bits and pieces about how it was all going so it was quite hard um you know it was the first year the team did the Formula Renault and um you know I think we were all a bit behind the eight ball um that year I was team with Dan Tickton who races or was racing for Red Bull um so yeah we we just struggled to get good results and you know, it sort of got to that point where, you know, Dad's health wasn't that good, and, you know, it's so crazy extensive over there. So, yeah, it sort of didn't, yeah, it just didn't work out. It just didn't seem viable to stay over there. But, yeah, it was a cool experience. Like, all the tracks we got to go to, racing around Monza, Monaco, Spa, you know, some of the real iconic tracks. So, yeah, it was a real bittersweet here. Um, but, yeah, I learned a lot from it, not just racing, but, as a person,
0: so yeah, it's definitely a building yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well you came back back to Australia. Uh another awesome opportunity presented itself to you though in two thousand and eighteen and that was a super two championship, uh with uh Brad Jones Racing. Uh you had some very familiar teammates in Macaulay Jones and Jack Smith. Talk us through that first big season in Tin Top Racing.
2: Yeah, so that was cool. Racing Super Two. Um yeah, first year, like you said, would be JR. Um, having Jack, who's been a friend of mine for a long time, since I was young. And, um, you know, Maka, who was the son of the team owner. So, yeah, it was a good season, just sort of learning my way through the cars. They're obviously a lot different to an open wheeler. Um, so that was a lot to get my head around. But, um, yeah, it was a really cool year. Um, yeah, sort of what got me started in the supercars.
0: Yeah and then 2019 you made the switch to MW Motorsport driving a Nissan Altima uh, geez it was a really big step up this season for you like in terms of performances you had you know I think it was top five finishes and six of the opening seven races of the championship talk about the differences for that second season Yeah second
2: season the Matt White Altima was a super super strong car um, so yeah it was a really good start to the season for me unfortunately I got glandular fever at the start of the year and uh got chronic tonsillitis and stuff on it so it was sort of hard to the start of the year I still had my sort of base level of fitness so started off strong and then as the year sort of progressed my tonsils just caused a lot of dramas and you know by the end of the year I was feeling sick before I was even getting the car and stuff like that so it made it quite difficult I'd like to see what would have happened if I was racing at a hundred percent health I feel like we would have been a lot more of a fight for the championship um i think the form at the start of the year was a lot more indicative of what we could have done so um that was really frustrating um obviously start of the year i got my muscles out you know now i feel night and day better like back then i was struggling to train three times a week where now i'm training once or two times a day and putting on weight and yeah it's crazy how much just a little part of your body can sort of handicap you so that was Definitely painful, but as far as racing went, like those cars were absolutely awesome. Maddie White did an exceptional job. Obviously, Bryce took out the championship at the uh, start of the year. I got five races in the top three, first five races. So, yeah, it was a good year. You know, Bice took a lot of sessions, took a few poles. Um, so, yeah, no, as far as results, it was a huge step up, and um, I think it's what sort of gave me my foot up to sort of second into the supercars.
0: Yeah, was it was it just the car or was there a change in the mindset for that second season in Super 2? Um, it's one of those things. It's crazy to see how much
2: driver can can progress over a Christmas break. Uh, even if they're not driving, they sort of just come back the next year and they just, I don't know, they find something. It's always the way. Um, I remember even my first year of Formula 4, my second year, like you just, you just make a step up. I don't know what it is, whether it's just time reflecting over that break or what. But um, I feel like as a driver, I progressed a lot. Obviously, I was a lot more competitive. Um, So that sort of gave me a good opportunity to sort of have a crack for race wins and stuff. Um, So, yeah, it it was a combination of stuff.
0: And yeah, and then we move on to 2020, and of course, yeah, you've joined Matt Stone Racing uh, alongside Gary Jacobson, and you're sharing a your car this this season with Jake Gastecki. How did this deal come about?
2: It was actually, um, it came up after the Perth round last year when I got the double pole, um, had really good speed, um, you know, got in contact with Matt Stone, and he sort of put, passed up the idea which, you know, straight away I was very interested in. Um, so yeah. It sort of came up that way and then obviously Jake jumped on board as well and then, you know, there was a lot of things that I had to get approved, checked off, um, you know, sponsorship I had to be put in line, all that sort of stuff. So there was a lot of work that got put into it. And I reckon before Sur so Adelaide, there was probably eight months of work that went into it. So um yeah, it was a hard graft. Um, obviously, we got it done. Uh, I did my first race at Adelaide, got 16th of the round or something, which I was pretty stoked on. Um, and then Jake was supposed to step into the second round at uh, AGP. And then, as you would know what followed, um, yeah, everything went a bit crazy. The world's sort of not the same as it was last year. Uh, but, yeah, the season all got pushed back. And, obviously, we sort of just kicked off four weeks ago I think it was at the first round at Sydney so it's been a real scattered year um, especially for me and Jake um, you know splitting the year in two um, it's definitely made it harder um, especially with all these double headers you know when one of us is doing one weekend and the other the second it's sort of a big compromise for the person doing the second weekend which unfortunately has been so far but um, yeah fingers crossed the next couple rounds I can jump in the car first Um but yeah, it's it's been a cool initiative. I think it's worked very well. Um, but yeah, like seems like everything that could be thrown at the championship this year has been. So, fingers crossed we get some good running, and all the races go ahead, and we can have a good end to the championship.
0: You mentioned that the difficulties of sharing the car every second weekend. What are you doing on those race weekends where you're not you're not in the car?
2: Um, well, Sydney it was really limited on the numbers that could go, so I wasn't actually able to go to the racetrack. I decided to watch at home basically um and sort of yeah, at the time, I didn't realize I'd be racing there as well. um The original plan was that we'd be going to Winton afterwards, but obviously with Victor, Victoria sort of um having the spike in cases then, and obviously even more now, um Winton sort of just became an impossible sort of um, yeah possibility to happen so um, yeah it's all changed since then um, obviously Darwin. I'll be going up to um so a lot you know more free with what you can do um, if, I don't know if they have any cases at the moment or what it is but um, yeah I'll be able to go up there for the first weekend even though I'm not racing it's nice just to sort of soak up vibes I've been at a race meet much this year so you know it's what I love to do so yeah I'm happy to go
0: of course and we've got the Bathurst 1000 still on the calendar at the moment let's hope it stays like that we've got Bathurst 1000 coming up soon as well it'll be your first time doing the big race and yeah like we said alongside Jake Gostecchi. How how do you feel about that yeah I can't wait
2: I think I'm the only driver that hasn't done a 1000 yet um I think all the rest of us who have done co drives or um like drivers so yeah we cool experience for me. Um something I'm really looking forward to. I've been watching back since I was a real young fella. So um no, nah, I'm really looking forward to it. It's gonna be such an awesome experience. I hope that we can get some crowds there. because, um, you know that's what really matters for life when you're going through McPhillamy and you can hear the punters over the cars, that's um Pretty epic, so yeah. Fingers crossed, we'll see some fans hard, So it makes uh um, racing a lot more fun. Really gives you that sort of really push where sometimes you sort of slack off. So um, yeah, no, nah, I can't wait for it. One thousand k's around Bathurst is a pretty epic task, but um, no, nah, really looking forward to it.
0: Oh yeah, I'm sure plenty of motorsport fans envy that position that you're in. I have to ask you before we let you go. You know, there might be some junior karting drivers listening to this. What advice do you give these people coming up through the ranks?
2: Um, kind of thing. you just got to trust in yourself and your ability and just, you know, you just have to be in the right place at the right time. Such a odd sport, road sport. Um, obviously, with running, if you're the fastest runner, you're the fastest runner and you progress. But there's so many... Um, so many different elements to racing. You've got to be well presented. you got to be good sponsors, um, good to the team. You know, you have to have a good um, energy around you that inspires your boys to, you know, put in the hard yards. So, yeah, it's kind one of thing, things take it serious. But obviously in your early years for karting, still enjoy your youth because, um, you know, it is a long haul. Um, yeah, when I think back to being nine years and now I've been 20, you know, 11 years of my life, solely focused on sort of racing. Um, so, yeah, just, just enjoy the opportunities um, and the experiences because when you look back at it compared to the, some of the stuff that your mates are doing at this time um, in their life, it's, um, yeah, it's pretty epic what you're
0: doing. Very well said there, Zane. Uh, of course, we've got the upcoming rounds of the Supercar Championship from Hidden Valley, and we wish you all the very best of luck for that and the remainder of the Supercar Championship
2: thank
0: you I really appreciate that thanks for having me there we are Zane Goddard joining us on the podium if you want to catch that interview the interview with David Reynolds or any other interviews that we've done on the podium head over to our podcasting platforms and you can tune into some awesome interviews on there after this Emma's going to be talking about the latest Formula One news with us here on the podium This is the podium where we celebrate the best in the world of motorsport, and Emma Notta Francesco joining me on the show. And time to talk Formula One, Emma. And boy, big week in Formula One.
1: Can I just say, firstly, that sound that you just played—it oh, just, it still gives me shivers down my spine. Can they please bring it back?
0: Yes, for anyone with a keen ear. I'll oh, know that's a V10 powered formula one car, which hasn't been mm-hmm. in the sport for a long time and much better sounding than the current cars, isn't it?
1: It is. And I think I told you this a while ago, but it is still my ringtone. It annoys every single friend of mine. And sometimes it's my alarm tone as well. <laughs> so Your alarm if, tone. I, if I'm staying with a girlfriend or something and it wakes them up in the morning, yes, yeah, they're not happy. But it's a great it's a great sound to wake up to in the morning.
0: I agree. I agree, especially come uh, Grand Prix time <laughs> when you got that that Minardi two seater going around the track. Awesome stuff. Oh,
1: nothing better, nothing better. Anyway, well, we're stuck with the engines we're stuck with at the moment, but uh, we have another round this weekend, so I am excited. Uh, there's been some ups and downs so far for the season. Some some ups being that. Uh, we've got a good impact which is great I've been really excited to watch McLaren and racing points and Renault even when their cars are reliable uh, Red Bull have been up there the downs being of course that we are seeing Mercedes dominate yet again I mean a 66 point lead in the construct constructive standings already and as a Ferrari fan we've seen some surprise moves haven't we because their engines, uh, they're really suffering with these engines and they are not even really in the mid-pack. They are qualifying, what, in 11th and, yeah. and just sitting where we wouldn't expect to see them. So it, it's it's been quite a surprise. And as a Ferrari fan, it's going to be a long 2020 watching them fight to get into, you know, Q2. So... It's stressful, and I feel for Haas and Alpha as well, who are stuck with these Ferrari engines. But we'll see what this weekend brings.
0: Oh, for sure, for sure, you know, yeah. Unfortunately, we didn't have the best race at Hungary with uh, Lewis Hamilton pretty much in a league of his own in that one. But, yeah, you know, hopefully we get some better action for this coming weekend. But, yeah, you'd have to ask yourself about Carlos Sainz at the moment. Do you reckon he's regretting his move to Ferrari? I was
1: thinking exactly the same thing, Yeah. I'm not sure how you'd be feeling the funny thing is is you know all these all the silly season is happening at a weird time because when it's usually happening at your time they've had quite a few races and you're in the middle of the season you know what you're sitting but yeah he, he probably would be kicking himself because we're kind of doing so well and they're switching to the Mercedes engine next year so I feel like they're going to be even further up the field but you never know. Maybe maybe next year Ferrari will be in a better position. I, I say that and I'm I'm crossing my fingers as I say it, but I'm not sure. With the rule changes and everything, I know they've been suspended for another year because of, of COVID. You just, you, you don't know.
0: Let's hope Ferrari get back up there because, you know, we can't have Mercedes just dominating every weekend. Let's talk about the Formula One calendar because there's been some changes announced over the past few days to the Formula One calendar.
1: Yeah, uh, some exciting announcements. I mean, just a few weeks back or a couple of months back, we weren't sure when they were going to go racing again, but an 11th, 12th and 13th uh, GP have been added, which takes us into November. Very exciting. First time that we're seeing a very iconic track Imola return, so cannot wait for that. They also have announced recently that an additional five races will be added. So that will take us to 18 rounds finishing in the Gulf. But no races in Canada, USA, Mexico, or Brazil, but it looks like it's it's all coming together, which is great to see. They've done a fantastic job at moving with the times and, and making it all work in this environment.
0: Well, yeah. Now, with your Italian heritage, I'm sure you must be so happy to have three races in Italy this season. you got Mugello, as you mentioned, Imola, and Monza.
1: Yeah, I mean, it would be great if I could get over to one of them. <laughs> But especially the Mugello, because as an Italian fan, we know that so well as a Rossi track. You know, we always get excited seeing Rossi race there. But I think it'll be really exciting to see an F1 race over there.
0: For sure. Now, the biggest news this past week in Formula One, and it's just happened recently, it's involving one of the drivers from Racing Point, Sergio Perez. Tell us more about it. Yes,
1: unfortunately, he has tested positive for COVID-19. So the first test was inconclusive, the second was positive. So first driver in Formula One to test positive for coronavirus, he's in quarantine in his hotel for 10 days and he will therefore miss both races in Silverstone because obviously we're going back to back there. Uh, It really is a shame because the FIA have done all the right things they've taken, all the right protocols. They've had all the right protocols in place. And Michael Massey has confirmed, race director for Formula One, that they will allow a replacement. You'd originally think that the reserve drivers would be in the hot seat, so Gutierrez or or a Van Dorn. However, it looks like Nico Hülkenberg may be taking that seat. They need, really need to make the decision. They, uh, we haven't heard anything as yet, and it's Friday afternoon here. They're going to wake up soon, and, and it's going to be practice day over there. So, yeah, I mean, they, it's really a shame for uh, Sergio, because Racing Point should do well at a track like that. But I'm looking forward to seeing Nico Hossenberg back on a in their Formula 1 seat.
0: Yeah, oh, you know, it's very... Very hard to see him not in Formula 1 this year. Very talented driver. And in a racing point, you know, the the, the long-standing joke about him is not being able to be on the podium, Emma. He might get a podium.
1: Hmm. Yeah, could he get his first podium? Not sure. Racing point, <laughs> still, there's still this big commotion about the fact that they've, you know, just taken off a 2019 Mercedes, but I'm... Still, I'm just happy to see them in the fight and in the mid pack. I'm enjoying watching that. I don't, I don't really care what car they've stolen from, or I think that's all still under invest, investigation. But yeah, bring it on. Let's 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 get them back onto a podium. That would be great. I just want to see anyone else besides Mercedes on that podium. And as I said, I'm really enjoying just watching these young guns and the battle of the mid pack.
0: Well, yeah, Racing Point—they've made the headlines the past few weeks now not only because of what's happened just recently, but also because of the silly season for next year. What are they going to do with their seats next year? Because there's been all this talk about Sebastian Vettel possibly landing a seat there.
1: Mm, so, of I was turning to Aston Martin Racing next year. Well, that is the only possible seat left. That is the only place left for Sebastian Vettel to go. Or Red Bull,
0: Emma. Is, I still reckon he's a no, small a, chance for Red Bull. I
1: think... I'm I think Christian Horner closed that door in an interview. And I really do think that they should keep Alex Albon there. He has done a tremendous job. And would you really want to be Verstappen's teammate? That's just like him going and being um, Hamilton's teammate right now. He's just going to line up as a second driver. He's not going to settle to be a second driver anywhere he goes. If he goes to Aston Martin Racing, he'll be the first driver.
0: So... We'll see. I oh, will see. Like we just continue. personally, yeah, just personally, I'd love to see him back at Red Bull if they can make that happen. Because apparently, oh, the yeah. the owner of Red Bull is a big fan of Seb still, even though Christian Horner yeah. has suggested that probably won't happen. Would love to see him there because yeah. it'd be great to see him go up against Max. Now, one of the young and upcoming stars of Formula One has, of course, been Lando Norris. It's his second season in the sport. Uh, he's got a competitive McLaren behind him this season. And he's got his home Grand Prix coming up this weekend. And he's going to celebrate, isn't
1: he? Yes. So he's got a very special helmet designed. You may have already seen it on social media. It looks great. It was designed by Eva, a six-year-old fan. And he picked it from thousands of submissions. He's done something like this before. But, yeah, it looks great. And he said it reminds him of when he was younger and he used to design helmets. So, well done to Lando because he's had a great start to his season. We already saw him get a podium. Plenty more to come, I think. He's really cemented himself in that team. He is a young gun and let's see if he has a flying last lap as we've seen him during the past couple of races yet again this weekend.
0: Let, let's hope so, shall we? Unfortunately, he won't be able to celebrate with fans if he does manage to get on the podium in front of his home crowd.
1: But he could do what a Rossi did. I
0: don't know if you saw Rossi
1: pretend that there were fans. He stopped on his last lap, on his celebration lap, and just jumped up and pretended that there were fans anyway and did a big a big celebration to whoever wanted to watch from houses nearby maybe. I don't know, but that was pretty cool. And did you see the uh, champagne pop, actually, that Lando did a few weeks ago? Is that just like a young gun technique where he... He made it pop by smashing it onto the ground. That was pretty cool.
0: Lando's one of those people that really can make something go viral, isn't he? Yeah,
1: good on him.
0: Just before we finish up on Formula One, we've got, like we've said, we've got the Silverstone race this weekend and we've got another one next weekend. I want to get your prediction for this weekend's result.
1: Oh, it's really tough, isn't it? Okay. I mean, this is hard because we haven't even had a practice yet. Usually I do this after a practice session. so let's just say Murphy is going to go out there and dominate again. I think it's no brainer. Hey, so I'm going to say Hamilton for the win. Boring. Bortas in second. Boring. And let's say that a young gun's going to come through like Lando for his home track and, and get a podium again. So Lando in third. How's that?
0: That sounds pretty good. My top three, I reckon Hamilton to get the win. Second, Max Verstappen, and third, Valtteri. Right after this, Emma, it's almost it for this edition of the show, but right after this, you're going to join me again for the podium of the week. This is the podium where we celebrate the best in the world of motorsport. My name's Jason Scholz, and Emma Francesco is joining me. when it's time now for the podium of the week. Now, for any of our listeners that haven't tuned into the show before, what we do here is we celebrate the world of motorsport with our three top performances from the week in motorsport. Emma, let's start with position number three. Who have you given position number three to?
1: Okay. Look, I spent the whole weekend just glued to MotoGP. So I'm sorry, but all three are riders because it was such a good race. So in position number three, I gave it to Taka Nakagami. He finished on top in FP2, and he finished in fourth, but he almost caught Rossi. I reckon if we had another lap there, he would have caught Rossi, and, yeah, he just had a stellar weekend. So Taka gets number three.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure if people saw the footage of him going into the garage. He was completely spent after that race. But, yeah, what a, what a run from him. Position number two now, Emma.
1: Okay. I have given it tied to two injured guys who... I cannot believe they did what they did. Alex Rins and Cal Cratchlow for their performance. Alex Rins finished in 10th, Cal Cratchlow 13th. I can't believe they just made it through the weekend and through that race, a tremendous effort for both of them uh, doing it while they were injured.
0: Couldn't say any more there, Emma. Completely agree with you there. What a run. And position number one on the podium of the week. Who's going to get position number one, Emma?
1: All right. I think you'll be able to guess this. I'm a big fangirl. He's copped a lot of flack lately. I don't know why, but he proved himself last weekend. He got a podium. He's a rider again. Who do you reckon he is?
0: I reckon you can't go past Valentino Rossi. Am I right?
1: That is correct. Yes. Return to the podium, and we're going to see him on the podium
0: a lot more in 2020. Watch out. Valentino's back, everyone. And that's about it for this edition of the show, Emma. But what motorsport action have we got this weekend? Oh, there's so much. So obviously we've got Formula One, World Superbike
1: returns this weekend, the Formula E on this weekend, Porsche. Pretty sure there's British Touring Car as well. There's a lot. I don't know how I'm going to keep up. So yeah, phone will be switched off, and I'll be inside on the couch. It's going to be great.
0: Yeah, lots of motorsport action to look forward to, Emma. Now, it's almost it for this edition of the show, so a special thank you to our guests for this week, to David Reynolds and Zane Goddard. If you want to catch those interviews again, head over to our podcasting platforms and they'll be available up on there. Emma, great to have you on the show again and looking forward to doing this again next week, huh? Yes, thank you. Special thank you to all the people that have tuned into the show. We'll catch you next time on the podium.